welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 First Avenue North on the third floor. Ben Harrison, Chester Arthur. I'm going to go through that list again, alright? Zach Taylor, Ben Harrison, and Chester Arthur. What do these three names share in common? I have a history teacher sitting to my right <laughs> who, who, after a couple, realized what was going on. These three names are the names of presidents, except presidents that you never hear of, right? How much can even our esteemed history teachers tell us about good old Zach Taylor? Or how about ye old Ben Harrison? Maybe you could give us the century that Chester Arthur was president in, but that's about it, right? These are the names of presidents who are absolute footnotes in our mind. They're things that we had to memorize when we had to memorize the presidents, and we can't tell you anything else about them. They are the forgotten presidents. In many ways, as we turn our attention to the last part of the Apostles' Creed, when we turn our attention to the Holy Spirit, he sort of shows up as the Zach Taylor of the Godhead. As the Ben Harrison of the Trinity. Because we can tell you a lot. It's very easy for us to talk about God the Father, creator of the earth. It's really easy for us to talk about Jesus and say, here is who Jesus is. Here is what Jesus did. Here is, here is what Jesus said. We can do a lot about Jesus, about God the Father. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we pull up short. Like we get to the question on the history test that says, tell me one thing Zach Taylor did. And, uh, I don't, wasn't he like Tippecanoe or something? Is that him? No? No, it's somebody else? Right. We, we don't often have much to say about the Holy Spirit. And there's a number of reasons for this. But one of the reasons that we as a church, especially the church here in America, don't have a lot to say about the Holy Spirit is because we have become uh, weirded out by anything that is supernatural. As a culture... We are averse to anything that seems mystical or supernatural. Let me prove my point with this by talking about uh, the most successful movie franchise currently going right now. The most successful movie studios going right now is Marvel Studios. Like, every four months they release a movie and it makes approximately $17 billion or something. I don't know money, so I think that's a lot. Marvel Studios. Recently, we've had some weird Marvel movies, right? Doctor Strange was nothing short of strange. Guardians of the Galaxy is an odd movie, right? But how did we get here? Do you remember the first movie of all of these sort of Marvel movies? The one that sort of kicked this off about ten years ago. It was Iron Man. And why did we all love Iron Man so much? Because it kind of made sense, right? I mean, guy's a genius, 
guy has more money than he knows what to do with. Okay. I totally believe that he could be like techno-Batman. Right? That is wildly believable. And so I go, oh, okay, I'll buy into this superhero thing because that's believable. And what's the next one? Captain America, right? Okay, so they gave him some sort of like, you know, measles shot that gave him superpowers. Uh, but it was Iron Man's dad, and they're pretty smart. And then he gets frozen in the ice. Well, I heard that like cryogenics is a thing, right? The reason why the initial Marvel movies were so successful is because they tried to take any of the sort of crazy superhero comic booky supernatural stuff out of them. It took them a while before they could go, oh, and here's Doctor Strange. They had to build our trust in that sort of universe. The reason is, is because if you started with Doctor Strange, all of us would have gone, nope, hard pass. That's too weird. Why? Why do we find things like that weird? Because we innately buck against the supernatural. If it is supernatural, we sort of go, eh, I don't know. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is exactly that encapsulated. We can, we can in our minds, wrap our head around God, an invisible being of immeasurable power who created all things. Like, I've got some categories for that. About Jesus, God becoming man fully God, fully man, dying on the cross. I understand how that works. I can conceive of that in my mind. But there's a third member of the Godhead, a third person of the Trinity. And it's the Holy Spirit. And He's everywhere. And it seems like He has specific things to do. All of a sudden, my imagination goes cold. My ability to, to see what this means runs out. And there's, there's a number of reasons for this, one of which is that, that the Holy Spirit is shy. Here's what I mean by that. The Holy Spirit's job is to constantly be pointing to Jesus. As we've gone through the Apostles' Creed together, uh, if, if you've been paying attention, if you sort of listen carefully, you've noticed a pattern in my sermons, right? Which the pattern of the sermon is normally this, right? Introduction. Jokes about Marvel movies, apparently, this week, right? And then I get to about this point in the sermon, and I'll say, you see, the problem with our thoughts on Jesus coming to, get to judge the living and the dead, you see, the problem with the idea of a virgin birth is we either misunderstand it or we ignore it. That's sort of been my premise on almost every one of these sermons. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's not that we misunderstand or that we ignore, we just don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, and we don't talk about it very much. So, this morning, what we're going to try to do is remedy that. Now, this becomes difficult, right? Because this is a church service, this is a sermon, this is not a theological lecture, where I can stop, everybody get out their notes, and we're going to do something. No. And yet, at the same time, the way that the Holy Spirit works is, what we know about him is spread out throughout the whole Bible. So I'm going to read one passage, one passage where Jesus tells us a good bit about the Holy Spirit. But as we talk about all of this, we're going to be looking at different passages throughout the Bible. 
So if you would, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 16 and stand up with me as we read John chapter 16. We're going to read verses 12 through 16 together. You can also find these verses in the uh, Bible section of the app as well as here on the screen. Jesus said this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see Me no longer. And and again a little while, and you will see Me. City Church, this is the Word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. Before we get started talking about exactly what it is the Holy Spirit does in our lives, it would be helpful for us to fix in our mind that in general, there are often three types of churches or three types of Christians. There are churches that emphasize what we know, that emphasize sort of the intellectual stuff about God. And that's sort of the focus of their teaching, right? That's sort of the focus of what they do. There are other churches who, who relate to God in the sort of realm of feelings and experience. And so the way that you experience God is connected to, to your emotional state. And there's sort of a third set of churches, Christians, that sort of emphasize what do we do. Right? So there's kind of kind of smart churches, there's emotional churches, and there's active churches. Right? None of these are better than the other. This is just sort of the way it is. These are sort of churches that exist out there. The problem is, is that there's also Christians, and we sort of fall into one of those categories. And any time that we try to know, feel, and act for God apart from the Holy Spirit, we're going down a dangerous path. Anytime that we seek to know God, to feel and experience God, or to do great things for God, anytime we do any of those things apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we're treading on dangerous ground. So let's just walk through how the Holy Spirit works in those three areas. In what we know, what we feel, and in what we do. So, so some of us emphasize this idea of knowledge. And, and let's be honest, this is the bent that our church will naturally grow in. If you sort of were to go around and compare uh, the educational attainment of the people in this room with the general population of St. Petersburg, uh, we are far more degreed. We are far more um, educated than the general population in St. Petersburg. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you paid very, very good money. Some of us are still paying very good money. Right? But we need to know that our natural bent is to do a lot of study. To think a lot about God, often to the detriment of doing things and being emotionally connected to Him. 
You see, those of us who sort of focus on how we might know God assume that if we just have the right knowledge, everything will be okay. If I just know all of the trivia in the Bible, I know who Jehoshaphat's dad is, I can trace the genealogy of Jesus without my Bible, if I can do that, then I will know God and everything will be okay. In the book uh, Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, uh, she's talking about this father and son who are estranged from one another. And the father is a pastor, and the son has sort of gone off and, and done his own thing and gone away from the family. And she says, there is a way of knowing something to death without knowing the first thing about it. And she's talking about this father and son. But how many times is that just so true about us and God? We can know a thing to death without knowing the first thing about it. And this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit steps into our lives. The Holy Spirit steps into our lives and says to us, I am the one who will teach you what you need to know about God. Isn't that what Jesus said in our passage in John 16? Right? There are things that you need to know about God that you can't handle right now. But guess who is going to teach that to you? The person that's going to teach that to you is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who is going to come and teach you. Because here's the thing, City Church. We can't truly know God apart from the Holy Spirit. He has to be the one who opens our eyes to the truth. So as we think about what does the Holy Spirit do, first of all, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to know who God is. And that's something that He has to do for us, because on our own, we cannot do that. We cannot see the truth of Jesus without the Holy Spirit showing it to us. I just want to take an aside here. Uh, for those of you who are here this morning and who are not Christians, um, who have come, whether that's because you're with one of your friends, whether you saw us somewhere and said, hey, I want to go see what that Jesus thing is about. The challenge to you this morning is, would you ask the Holy Spirit to show you the truth of Jesus? So, some of us attempt to know God on our own through our minds. Sort of the other side, the other spoke of this fidget spinner, if you will. Come on, parents, where are you at? Is those of us who try to experience God solely through our emotions apart from the Holy Spirit. The, the idea that uh, church is good if I had a good emotional Experience Now, this is probably the thing that we will be least guilty of, right? I mean, there, there were some of you who were slowly, our, our church is slowly getting slightly more emotive in our worship, and that's a very good thing, but that's not what we are known for, right? Um, some of you guys uh, have been, if you've been to the Pelts house in the past almost two weeks now, you've known that there is a big tent revival going on from about 8 o'clock at night till midnight, Every night, right? And they are having a great time, right? 
It's very loud. You can hear it a block away. Some of us want to experience God through our emotions. And the trouble that we have is just like you can know a thing to death and not know the first thing about it, when we sort of let our emotions drive what we're doing, emotions drive the way that we experience God, what happens is we're constantly chasing something. Because we had that incredible worship experience, and if I could just have another one like that, then it would be, then, then things would be, you know, I have to do just a little bit better, right? Some of you guys uh, go to the gym, and um, I, I've watched people at the gym before, um, and people at the gym talk about personal records, PRs, uh, and the question that I always want to ask somebody when they lift a lot of weight up into the air and then set it not so gently back down on the ground again, is how many is enough? How many pounds are enough for you to lift? What's everybody going to say? Five more. Right? Oh, once I I get to a 500-pound deadlift, then I will have arrived. Get there. need 600. 500 is nothing. Right? Or maybe it's... Once I get this, right, we're constantly chasing that next hill to climb. We do this in our emotional life. When we sort of base our experience of God solely on emotions, we're constantly chasing that next experience. But it's interesting that it's the Holy Spirit who comes to us and deals with us in the level of our heart. The way that we experience God on a personal, emotional level is through the Holy Spirit Himself. And it's not that He is confined and has to be part of one type of worship service or another. You see, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and you see this in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, what you begin to see is that you can be comfortable in any worship setting where Jesus' name is lifted up whether that's incredibly liturgical and formal, whether that's incredibly informal. Wherever you are, you're able to experience God. Because what the Holy Spirit does is not only does He open our minds to the truth of Jesus, but He opens our heart to His beauty. He allows us to see the beauty of Jesus. So that then we can go, I can see the beauty of Jesus in this service, even though it's different than what I like. I don't have to demand that worship always be the songs that I want. Because I can see the beauty of Jesus in this. Another way that this happens, or that we fall short of this, is when we demand that the community of Jesus cater just to us. When we sort of are the kind of Christians that when we look at our expectations, we expect everyone else to revolve around us. And we take more than we give to the church. Not just financially, but emotionally. With our talents. With our time. And as the Holy Spirit shows us more and more and more of the beauty of Jesus, we become less and less and less self-focused. Does that not mean that there are some times where we are going to need the church to pick us up? Yeah. 
There's going to be some times where we are going through terrible stuff and we will need others. But there are other times that we are going to need Jesus. And need to give Jesus to other people. And we do that when the Holy Spirit shows us how beautiful He is. The last sort of category of Christians are those who sort of measure themselves by the things that we do. So some people experience God through their mind, first and primarily, others through their hearts, and others through their hands, if you will, through their actions. And apart from the Holy Spirit, all of the work that we do with our hands is futile. But when Jesus reveals to us, and when the Holy Spirit reveals to us Jesus' goodness, we cannot help but overflow and affect the things that we do. For those of you who are here, who live in St. Petersburg, you know what a, what a fantastic and terrible thing it is when you have visitors from out of town. And you say, where would you like to go to eat? And they say, I don't know. You live here in St. Petersburg. You pick. Well, what's the problem? Where do we even start? Do we take them to Bodega? Or Nidalee's? Do we take them to the mill? Or engine number nine? Well, what about Brooklyn South? They've never been to Mazzaro's. How can you live your entire life and not go and have fish from 400 Beach? I mean, I mean, just where do we even start? What we're experiencing there is we, we have so much good food that we can't help but share it with other people, right? I mean, do you remember the first friend who ever told you about Nidalee's? No one ever casually mentions, oh yeah, and then there's this place on Central Avenue, it's called Nidalee's, it's fine. Right? No one ever has this response. Right? Everybody's response to Nidalee's, unless you are um, a sociopath, um, is, holy cow, there is this place, and they do Mexican and Thai food put together. And I just literally can't even right now about this restaurant. Right? This is, this is how, why? Because it's, it's different, it's unique, it's good. We can't help but tell other people about Nidalee's. When the Holy Spirit shows you the goodness of Jesus, it will be far better than Nidalee's. So that our actions are not driven by, I guess I ought to, Tell this friend about Jesus. Our actions aren't driven by guilt. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, our actions are driven by the goodness of Jesus. So what the Holy Spirit does is He shows us and teaches us the truth of who Jesus is. We get to experience the beauty of of who Jesus is and be reminded of His goodness and go and share that to others. You see, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that's so difficult is the Holy Spirit's whole occupation is to point us to Jesus, to take attention off of Himself and to put it onto Jesus. So most of you know that they're building a new pier downtown. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's been in the news once or twice. 
They just spent three weeks ago $75,000, which is a chunk of change, to investigate whether a certain artist art would fit onto the pier. I, I want to get a job where people give me $75,000 to say, could you even do art over here? Look, you give me $5, I'll tell you whether I could preach in that room or not. I'll go to several rooms. Yep, could preach there. Could not preach there. $75,000 to figure out if this person's art would work. And it was interesting because uh, when they announced this, we happened to be in Greensboro two weeks ago. And actually got to see a piece of art by this artist. Um, her name is uh, Janet Eichel Eichelman. Jane Eichelman? I did not write it in my notes. And the way that she does, she does these pieces of art, and they are they're fabric and rope and knots, and they're all sort of hung together by these wires that are so thin they seem invisible. And what you're left with is this sort of floating, shimmering, spaceshipy. It's beautiful, and it sort of defies words. And what's interesting is the, the lights that are put on this thing are going to cost, it's like this huge light array that's going to cost like $400,000 if they do this. But what are the point of all of these lights that are going to light up this shimmery thing so that you can see the art? Nobody is going to go. When I was in Greensboro and saw this, I didn't stand at the light pole with all the LEDs and go, that's some good lights. Those are really nice. I wonder what kind of computer controls them. Right? No, I looked at the art and said, those lights really do a good job bringing out that art. The Holy Spirit is the light that points to the truth, goodness and beauty of Jesus. So that as we are pointed to Jesus, as we are reminded of the ways that we fall short and the ways that He loves us, of the ways that we seek God exclusively with our minds to the detriment of our emotions and actions, or vice versa, anywhere we fall on that sort of triangular continuum, we're pointed back to the cross to the fact that we are messed up and broken, to the fact that Jesus has loved and accepted us in spite of that through the cross. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the same thing, to join in His work. Our work is not to be Jesus. Our work is to shine light onto Him, to give His name glory, to make his name famous. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that by making us grateful for what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray.